Thank you for listening to the Fields Brothers Show. Well, is there ever a time where the devil is actually glad for you to read the Bible? You know, a lot of times we'll hear, boy, the devil just hates it when you read the Bible. Well, I think there is a time when the devil is actually glad for us to read the Bible. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. But before we get to that, got a couple of other things. First, let me know, or let let me let you know that this is the Fields Brothers Show podcast. I am Jeff Fields. And I guess that would make me Roger Fields. And we are glad you're listening. We are two brothers coming uh, in this podcast from a relatively undisclosed location in central Kentucky. Now, I don't care if you tell them where it we is. We are. Go ahead and, you know. We're south of between Lexington. Well, they don't care. Anyway, we are uh, co-authors of the book Breaking the Hex, Life with God After the Cross Killed Religion. So we got that in early. So we don't didn't forget about that. And um, we just enjoy doing this and have a lot of fun doing it and hope it's a blessing um, to you. One thing before I get to that, Roger, I forgot all about last time we recorded. Forgot to ask you, I heard that mom had blocked you on her cell yeah. phone. What's the story behind I'm that? I'm telling you I, what, I was where, where, where is life headed when your own <laughs> mother blocks you? Well, I kept, I kept calling blocked, her. She hasn't blocked me, yeah, so I, know. I don't know well, what she I did, know, but. that does tell us something. I, I would call her to go directly to voicemail, and I thought, well, she had her phone off or something, and I called again, and it was, you know, hours later, she hadn't returned my call, and called me back. <laughs> And so, you know, I tried again. I think I tried three times. So then I text. I said, you know, I forget what I said to her. Something like, is your phone working or what? You know. She goes, well, yeah. And so then she calls me and she goes, oh, she says, I may have blocked you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I would like to be unblocked I, if okay. that's a possibility. For the record, I did not tell her to do yeah, that. Yeah, right. So. so she's been trying to block some, you know, spam calls and stuff. And she blocked me. <laughs> I think that's what happened. So anyway, she, I think she got it fixed. But. Okay. Well, good. All right. I feel better now. I, I was a little worried about that. So, yeah. want to talk about the Bible. Um, got one thing I want to do before that, but we're going to be talking about, I've got a list of kind of similar to your list. You had a couple, uh, one or a couple weeks ago about the, um, unhelpful phrases. What did you call that? Dysfunctional, uh, dysfunctional Christian phrases. Okay. This is kind of a takeoff that specific to the Bible. I've got it titled misleading quotes about the Bible. And I want to talk about why we should not elevate the Bible too high. Now I realize for some people that just sounds. Yeah. You're a liberal, anathema. obviously you're that a heretic other than that. What, and so where do we uh, go from here? that is not the case. But before I get to that, okay. <laughs> I've got another list for you. I'm, I've got three different lists to get through here in this, uh, in this short 20, 25 minute podcast that is just going to zip by. It occurred to me the other day, I'm noticing things that are letting me know that I'm getting old, Roger. <laughs> so okay. I've well, got a list of <laughs> I'm impressive. This is just now dawning on you, but okay. So these are now, in, how old are in, you, Jeff? Well, you got I'm, a big I'm one 50, coming up this year, don't well, you? I'm, I was 59 back a few months ago, so I am really close to that. You know, 59 and a half. You can take money out of your retirement accounts without paying a 10 percent penalty. So That's spoken from a financial so services advisor. I don't, I don't plan on needing to do that, but it's nice that if I did needed to take some out, I wouldn't have to pay pay the penalty. But um, <laughs> so I thought. I mean, there's a couple of things I've done recently that it just occurred to me, you know, this is the type of thing that older people do. Like what? What did and, you do? Uh, and so I thought, well, I'm going to list these. And I, and I immediately came up with two or three, and I thought, well, okay, maybe I might be able to come up with four or five. I've got 11 of them. Ha! Here. So okay. we'll go these. The first one, I've started in the last uh, month or two, I've started using one of those weekly pill containers. You know what I'm talking about? Where they have yeah, seven so different, okay. do you use one of those? 
Okay, I do only because Lori has got me started using it because oh, yeah, I wasn't taking my Lori. vitamins. Yes, I am blaming this on Lori. She would give me these vitamins, I would forget to take them. Then she would ask me, "Did you take your vitamins right. today?" And I was like, "I don't remember if I took them okay. or not." All right, so there now, you go. Now we can just look and say, "Okay, it's Tuesday, and Tuesday's yep, vitamins yep. are still there." So uh, aren't those? I've got two vitamins yes, I take, and I aren't do. they wonderful though? Uh, that's a wonderful invention to be able well, to see. You know, so I, every couple yeah. weeks, I load up a couple. Nor so, but anyway, but that right. is something older people do. I don't take medicines. I don't, um, I'm not on any medicine, but I take vitamins. Yeah, these are. I take a multivitamin and vitamin yeah, D. Lori's anyway, got me on so all kinds of vitamins. So I don't even know what some of them are. I, when she gives it to me, I take it. I don't even ask any questions. All Number right. two. Okay, we got to move. All right. This. Sorry, I'm take bogging things down here. This. Okay. Um, this one, I am more regularly lately. I've noticed I've been asked by clients when I'll be retiring. You know, as a person who works in the financial services industry i have clients and occasionally now they didn't used to ask this uh how long do you think you'll be working before you retire so number hmm. uh number three i'm watching wheel of fortune more than i used to oh gosh i have not succumbed to that one <laughs> so i'm thinking okay that's something older but okay. it's, you know i right. say jack he, he does a great job um i'm getting so that, that was number uh three number four i'm getting senior discounts without asking yeah. You get that, you go to fast food Sometimes, places, and they'll give yeah. you a discount. You wonder why? Then, oh, okay. Yeah, Number so. five, um, we've just ordered something from Amazon that I'm rather excited about getting. It hasn't been delivered yet. We just ordered a couple days ago. I'm, I'm, we're getting, I'm getting a knee pillow to help me sleep more, uh, keep my spine in a better place while I sleep at night. So I think only older people get excited well, about buying a knee pillow. Yeah, so. Blessings trying to use that. I've tried. Okay. Um, number uh, six, I think this is. More and more often, when Teresa and I go eat out in the evening, we are home by six forty-five. Oh we go yeah, out for dinner. Oh yeah, oh totally. Well, we do that. See, two advantages of that: if you go a little bit early, two advantages of that: you beat some of the crowds, you get in a little bit easier, and you get home in time to watch Wheel of Fortune. So it's kind of, oh <laughs> so boy, okay, further. you are on a downhill so, slide here. Number right, um, number six: uh, more and more, I do not like wearing a tie. Uh, my job most days have to wear a tie except for Memorial Day to Labor Day. So I'm really looking forward to Memorial Day. So I am freed from having to wear a tie. So most of us go know. through that in our 30s, Jeff. Yeah. And you're just like, okay. Uh, the next one, uh, I think this is number eight, maybe. I don't recognize most celebrities. Like, you know, some, like yeah. uh, Wheel of Fortune will have a celebrity game show or something like that. And I don't know who these people yeah, are. You know, there there are worldwide celebrities that everybody except me knows, and I don't know them. Yeah. Uh, the next one, this is number nine, I think. Um, we went we went to Pigeon Forge, and for those that don't know, Pigeon Forge is a popular tourist spot about three hours yeah, in Tennessee. And that's a place for older people, too. Well, you realize this, Jeff. Well, yeah, that's true, okay. but that, I've got more than that. We went to Pigeon Forge during the week to avoid the crowds, and I thought, you know, that's what older people do. They yeah. go on Monday through Friday. To, yeah. you know, I'm still working. I'm not retired yet, but but I can take off pretty much when I want to. So I thought, well, that's something older people do. And in conjunction with that, we went to Dollywood to see the musical shows. Now, that's something definitely older people do. Yeah. Old, you know, Younger people go to Dollywood to ride the rides and things right. like that. Right. We went to see the musical shows. That's number 10. And number 11, indication that I'm getting old is that I took the time to write a list of indications of that I'm getting older. So... Well, Jeff, there you go. Do you have any I advice? Mean, Since you're the older brother here, do you have any advice for me of as I uh, am yeah, aging? You know, you, I think you come to this realization a little late in the game, but that's all right. Hey, you know, I like Satchel. I think it's Satchel Page. He's giving credit for this quote, and I do think it is a brilliant quote. He says, "How old would you be if you didn't know how old you are?" And if you did, I mean, think about. It. You ever thought about that? If you Say did not know, how old would you be if you really did not know how old you are? If you did not know what year and that you were born, 
and you're just here. You say you had amnesia. You, for, you forgot. You did not know. How old would you think you are? Well, you think you are. Okay. Yeah, what would you be? What would you yeah. act like or what would you kind of adopt as your assumed you know, number of years on this planet? Do you know who Satchel Page was? Yeah, he was a football player, wasn't he? Baseball or football? <laughs> Which one? Pick one. But a baseball. Baseball. He was baseball. Yeah. And what? What? What was he known was for? Was this in a baseball? sports quiz? All of a sudden, now well, we're talking about aging. We're talking, okay. I don't know. He's he a, he he was one of the oldest baseball players to keep playing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot what age, but he played to a much older age than most of them play. Right. So that's relative to the quote. Okay. That's right. the game. Okay. So that, that's interesting. So dysfunctional phrases, Christian phrases, you mentioned the other day. I've got six misleading quotes about the Bible. There are a lot of good quotes about the Bible. There was two or three things I just, two or three of these I came up with just off the top of my head that I remembered, but then I, I Googled it, and you can find out. I found a list of 60 or 80, and, and a lot of them are good. But these are ones that I don't think are so good. So tell me what you think of these. Number one, I'm sure you've heard this one. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. You heard that one? I have heard that many times, yes. So, oh, I, you know. Think I'm making too much of this? I mean, it's not like it's totally inaccurate. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a sense that, I mean, you know, you read scriptures, it does make you aware that there is a God in your life. And hopefully you come to the realization through scriptures that Jesus paid the full price for your salvation on the cross. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's it's. I think it's... It's a little bit simplistic to say it that way. Yeah, I think you know. I think that what they're saying is this book will keep you from sinning. That you won't yeah, if sin you just, as if much. You just read as and much, sinning will keep more. you from this book. Well, yeah, yeah and that, that there's a lot of people in the world right. that don't have the book for one thing. So right. are we just right. assuming they're sinning all the time because they don't have the book? And then there's well, a lot of people that do have the book and are in the book a lot that are still sinning all the time. Right. So anyway. Yeah, yeah, and I see what your problem with that okay. statement. Okay. Uh, second one, I saw this recently. This is from a fairly well-known, um, and I don't attach any names. I didn't even write the names. Some of these, most of these I don't even remember. Um, but some of these are you know, by well-known people in the past. Uh, quote, the Bible is the rope God throws us to ensure he and we stay connected while the rescue is in progress no i don't agree with that no so why would you not agree with that well because it completely negates and leaves out the gospel that's yeah. why it's like we've got this manual if you just kind of hook up to this manual then you know god's gonna and that's what he's thrown us to ensure yeah. that we stay yeah. connected yeah as if the holy yeah. spirit doesn't count you know as if well it's know. like the gospel doesn't count which you know it's like you don't need no. jesus you just need to just hold on to this book no. just read you know no. number three uh, the bible is meant to be bread for daily use not cake for special occasions now i understand the thought there you know but the bible is meant to be bread for daily use not cake for special occasions when i read that okay the bible is meant to be bread for daily use i think Jesus said, yeah, I the, am right. the bread of life. Right. So, right. Right. Um, and that gets to some of the other points I'm going to make here. Okay, number four, um, I never saw a useful Christian who was not a student of the Bible. I never saw a useful Christian. That, that term's interesting, by the way, useful Christian. You know, it's not enough to be a Christian. You have to be a useful Christian. Was not a student of the Bible. Well, again, there's a lot of people in the world that don't, like Christians that don't have a Bible, and the idea of looking at which ones are useful and which ones are not are kind of a that is the way we look at it. you know that you don't you normally use that hear that term yeah. but you know, in, in churches that is the way we look at people you know you're you want God we to say use you're you. a servant or whatever we say you know, you're useful and you're not useful I mean I I kind of get it's <laughs> kind of a funny way to say it though uh, number five every Christian who does not study really study the Bible every day is a fool 
Yeah, see, do that, you that, really study the Bible? Roger Fields, do no, you really study no, the Bible every not. day? No, and according to this, not. you're a fool. No. That's what well, they said. Well, so. see, there again, that, that, that goes in with a whole host of quotes that just try to shame Christians. You're not doing yeah. enough for, in whatever category of sharing your faith, reading your Bible, praying, whatever, and so we're going to shame you into it. Yeah. Number six here, the dirtier your Bible, the cleaner your heart. The dirtier your Bible, the you use the a Bible app? How does that work now? <laughs> yeah, I guess that did. Uh, that's kind of a dated uh, phrase there. Yeah. But um, see, the whole idea that the more, you know, we're into volume. Okay. Okay. This is what, what, what that's really saying is, and, and this is across the board in Christianity. We believe in quantity. It's how much you pray. It's mm-hmm. how much you read the Bible. It's how much you go to church. There's always an unattainable much, goal. It's, it's a always, nebulous. It's always vo- it's yeah. how much stuff. How much do you do? You don't do enough. If you just do a little bit of prayer, a little bit of Bible reading, go to church occasionally, that's not enough. It's, it, we're, it's amazing. And even people ask for prayer. I need a lot of people praying for me. It's like volume. We got to yeah. get a lot of it's like, it's really it's kind of an interesting dynamic that we are into just a whole quantity. If we just do a lot of this, then we're going to get the results we want. And you always need a little bit more. It reminds me of that old quote yeah. of how much I forget some real wealthy famous person. You know, how much money does it take to person to make a person happy? And yeah. Just a little bit just more than he has. And yeah. like, how much how much activity does it take a Christian to feel good about themselves? Just a little or to, bit or more. Or to be acceptable to God. How, how much Bible reading does it take to be acceptable to God? Just a little bit more, little than, bit what more than whatever you're doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how much you got to pray to be acceptable to God? A little bit more than what you're doing. Or to, or yeah. to feel good about you know, yeah. who you are before God. Yeah. So you know, no matter how much you do, there, there's always a sense right. of a little bit more. So that, that goes along with that. But anyway, so I had but four thoughts. So this is not exactly a list, but just four reasons, I guess you would call these, of why we should not elevate the Bible too high. And this first one is the main one, and it touches on on these quotes that I just read, is that the Bible ends up being a substitute for Jesus Christ. The Bible ends up being a substitute in a person who tries to be a substitute in their lives for Jesus Christ. The thing about it, it's the bread. No, no, Jesus is the bread. Well, it's the link. No, Christ is the link. We're in Christ. He's in us. That's the connection that ensures that we stay you know, that's the rope, or he's the rope in that way. But it's the idea that the Bible is a sign. It's not the destination. It points us to Jesus. It's not the destination. It, it made me think about, you know, if you were going to Orlando, Florida, say, and you got to the southern part of Georgia and you saw a sign that said X number of miles to Orlando, and you just stopped and camped out around the sign and just celebrated well, and enjoyed your vacation around the sign, well, you're yeah. not there yet. I mean, you know, Jesus, I think, pointed this out to the Pharisees. You read the Bible or study the Scriptures because in them you think you have life, but they point to me. Right. In other words, that you, it's like you either see the Bible as an end or as a means to an end. I think it's a good means to an end. Right. I think through the Scriptures you learn about Jesus and what he accomplished for you. But when you see the Bible as the end of itself, you just got to read the Bible to read the Bible because somehow it makes you more spiritual. That is a trap. That is dysfunctional. And that's John five thirty nine, and I had that written in here that it, it it puts Jesus on the same level as a book. That and we talked about. It, and I saw you got involved in a, some comments on Facebook. I saw that the other day. But this thing of the written word and the living word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Jesus is the living word. The Bible is the written word. But that's putting Jesus on the exact same level as a book. And so, you know, it's not that we're putting the Bible down. I read the Bible. These days, I read it and think about it more than probably ever. Well, I went back when I was preaching full time. Yeah. I guess didn't there, but other than you know when I preach to prepare a sermon, I think about it, read it all the time, but never. But it's always to see who Christ is and what He's done, and so you know the reason 
you know, it's just we want to elevate Christ. So we're not putting down the Bible. We're elevating the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, I agree. But but to my, my point was, and what I said later on in that thread on Facebook, is I do not believe in the written word. I mean, flat out. Yeah. The Bible is Scripture, inspired by God, Scripture. Jesus is the word. There is no distinction in the Bible between living word and written word. The yeah, word became false, flesh. Yeah. The word did not become papyrus. You know, <laughs> is that the what they word, made it out of? The yeah. Papyrus? Well, I have something pig, something... You know, <laughs> parchment of some kind, you know, didn't become, you know, be, became, the word became flesh, became a, a, a person. And what God was communicating uh, was not on paper or papyrus. And we put, you know, we, we do that to the church. I don't want to get off on that tangent, but we do that to the, to the local congregation. There's so many substitutes for Christ. That verse that keeps coming to my mind all the time. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. I heard someone say one time that they described as a yearly convention, this is kind of a weird way to put this, but it made a decent point. It said uh, there would be a yearly convention. The Bible would be the three people, three things attending this convention: the Bible, the church, and Mary. And it said the three of them would weep over how they've been exalted above the Lord Jesus Christ, or something to that effect. Of course, the Mary being referenced to the Catholic mm-hmm. Church and all that. But I think there's some element of truth to that. And so, you know, in all this. Again, the Bible is an incredibly valuable book and, and a gift to us, but it's, it points to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus yeah. Christ himself. So. I mean, I think all you have to do is look at history. I mean, for the first, what, 300 years of the church, they didn't have, have a compiled mm-hmm. Bible the way we have. Right. What did they have? They had a story we call the gospel. They called the gospel, and we call it the gospel, of what Jesus had done for them, and they had the Holy Spirit, and they had each other, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. Now, Paul would write letters to individual churches to kind of help them navigate through what they had. And they had Old Testament scriptures had, to compare well, things to see them. Did. Well, true, yeah, not all of them. I mean, the Jewish ones did, the Gentiles, what did they have? They had nothing. And so, you know, um, so you have to think, I mean, they couldn't do a Bible study. I mean, what, what did they do? Yeah. Cool. You know, they, couldn't, they didn't have men's Bible studies. They didn't, you know. It, it struck me one time when I read something, made me think, okay, if, if, if we were all illiterate, how would we function as a church? The average church, if it was illiterate, how would they function? I mean, because so much of it is built around studying a book with that, essentially. So, um, so the, the Bible ends up being a substitute for Jesus Christ. And so we, I don't think Jesus Christ doesn't want, you know, the Bible is not the word of God. And like you said, just pointed out again here, the New Testament, it, it's amazing. Jesus and the New Testament writers never refer to the Old Testament as the Word of God. They always say Scripture says, or right. it is written, right. or Moses and the prophets. Right. Um, so, anyway, okay, number two, uh, or second point here, is that it gives us a sense of fa- false control. When we elevate the Bible too much, it gives us a sense of, a false sense of control because it takes the place of trust. Because it all depends on how well I know this book, I can control that. I can control how much I read. I can control how much I memorize. I can control how often I meditate on it. And, if, and I know for years, I mean, this was kind of my way of, I thought, way of growing spiritually. The more time I do that, the more I'll grow spiritually. And that takes no trust because I can control that. So okay. that's my second point. All right. Number three, when we elevate the Bible too high, it puts intellectual people on a pedestal. When, when that's the gauge of, you know, we don't, you know, the verse, grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not grow in your knowledge of the Bible, but that's a lot of times how we describe or how we think of spiritual maturity. And when that happens, intellectual people immediately go to the front of the class, front of the line, 
So if you're smart and you can really understand this scripture or that scripture, you're considered more mature, when that's just the opposite of what you know, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, there's not that many wise, you know, that's put that and then the idea of Acts, not many of them were, you know, they were unschooled. You know, I, I, I have to say, you made me think about this. So I kind of forgotten, I guess, that you know, particularly early in ministry, you know, we both uh, were pastor, pastor charges, recovering pastors, and I would run into people that um, obviously, I mean, seemingly, like, boy, they knew the Lord and they had a love for the Lord, and they, but but they they were not scriptural heavyweights. They were yeah. not theological heavyweights, and I used to think about that. Like, wow, this person really <laughs> kind of seems to have it together, yeah. but you know, they know no Greek words. Uh, they know no oh. church history. You they can be a Christian no, and not know any Greek you know, words. They didn't know. I mean, they didn't know how to look. Do a look up in Vine's expository dictionary a, a definition of a Bible word. I mean, they didn't know, but yet they seem to have a vibrant relationship. And I did make me wonder that wow, you know. So when the when the intellectually advanced become that we when we see the intellectually advanced as the more mature, the more yeah. leadership, something's wrong. Yes, I agree. I totally so, agree. Okay, then the last one is that we end up living by a written code. Romans 7, 6 comes to my mind all the time. talks about not in the old way of the written code or the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. And that written code applies both to the Old Testament or every part of the Bible. That And so this is, okay, back to my earlier question, when is the devil glad for you to read the Bible? The, the devil is glad for you to read the Bible when you read it with an old covenant lens to see what you need to do or how you can do better yeah. rather than through the new covenant lens to see what Christ has done. That gets back to John five thirty five. They testify of me. Yeah. And so, you know, Jesus was almost never quoted after the Gospels. There's one time in First Corinthians, and that's when he's in the upper room talking about the new covenant. Of course, he speaks in Revelation, but he's not quoted the Lord's Supper, right. Yeah. And uh, then one time in Acts, the part that we don't even have in the Gospels says where Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. But he's never co- – because that's not what life in Christ is, is not following a any written code. Even the Gospel is not following the Sermon yeah. on the Mount. It's not following Beatitudes. It is the new way of the Spirit of him living in us. Yeah. So when we amplify the Bible – too much or exalt it, elevate it too much, we end up living by a written code rather than by the person in us. Yeah. Okay. I wrote, I wrote an article one time, and I probably, I mean, I probably could have written better than what I wrote, I'm sure. But basically, the, the, I think the title of us, Don't Let the Bible Keep You Away from the Gospel. And that yeah. was the idea yeah. that don't make the Bible this manual for living where that's your focus, trying to fulfill every directive, every obligation, avoid everything the Bible says you shouldn't do, do other things it says you should do. And that becomes what consumes us, not what Jesus accomplished right. for us on the, not on the cross, not the good news, but these good, we thought, good obligations. And there's so many ways, without saying it bluntly, that we kind of leave, particularly new believer, the impression is, okay, here's what you're going to do. It's the bait yeah. and switch. Oh, okay, yeah. It's free. Oh. It's free. Glad you're in. <clears throat> then once they're in, okay, boom, here's this stack of books that you need to. Oh, you know, <laughs> let me tell you, the, here, here is the, the epicenter of, of the bait and switch. And I've heard this so many times, I can't count, that somebody will present the gospel, do a pretty good job of presenting the gospel, and then tell people who've come to God. Now, there's four things you got to do. Remember what they are? You got to read your Bible every day. Well, no, what they they got to read your Bible every day. You got to pray every day. You got to get a part of a, a church, a Bible believing church, and you got to share your faith. Yeah. And those, that's the way you grow. Now that you've done this, and we told you it was all free and what Jesus had done for you, now. This is where you go now. You got to do this stuff. And it is absolutely counterproductive. It's dysfunctional. 
and it hurts people who are just trying to develop their own walk and relationship with the Lord. So I want to end on a positive note here. So I want to bring this to a close. When we, so those are the reasons, the dangers, why we you know, need to be careful about uh, exalting, elevating the Bible too high because Jesus Christ is Lord. I thought of Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in your hearts richly. That's not an exhortation to memorize Bible, the Bible more or read the Bible. Let the word of Christ, that's the message of Christ, that's the gospel right, of Christ, right. the person of Christ, who he is. Let and just let. Don't, you don't have to make it. Just right. let. He's already in you. He lives in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in your heart that's richly. That's great. The word let's great. Yeah. There. yeah. When you look, that's the operative word in the, in the new covenant, you know, more than do and, and all that. Just, just let Christ or the word of Christ dwell in your hearts richly. Then the Old Testament verse, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. You know, I used to think, okay, we got to memorize the Bible. Or I've got to hide God's word in my heart. I've got to hide this book in my heart so that I might sin. No, thy word or your word have I hid in my heart. When we see that word as the living Christ, the son of God, it's already been done. He, Christ is in our hearts. We have a new heart and that becomes encouraging. That becomes good news because Christ lives in our hearts to give us new desires, and to dwell in our hearts richly.